Right, I'll try not to be too long today because I know the weather's lovely, but hopefully you've had enough of it yesterday. Uh, in our country that's not meant to deal with temperatures like that, it's not as nice over here as a, when you're in Spain or something with air conditioning, sure it's not. Uh, so this morning I'm going to continue on with some of the thoughts uh, that we've been having over the last few while of walking in the way of Jesus. And uh, this morning I'm going to look at Matthew 7, verse 78, Ask, Seek, Knock. And uh, I just, as I was driving in this morning, I was praying, I want you to join with me, because I realized this morning that there's so many times in life where, before I even start my sermon and asking, I ask the wrong people instead of bringing it to God. And I was praying on the way in this morning, Nicola has another migraine, you might know, I don't know if she's watching or not, probably not, um, but she's another migraine, she keeps getting migraines, and I'm going to ask God, to, just to, to lay hands, to pray over. I want to pray over this morning. I want her, the Lord to touch her and to heal her. But I want, I want you to close your eyes because what, what I want you to do as well, if there's, some, if there's people in here, and I know there are, there, you have something that you're struggling with, even sickness, whatever it is, just raise your hand because I'm going to ask this morning. I want us all to join together this morning just to ask the Lord, will you move? Because sickness is a horrible thing that can affect. It has its ups and downs. And we want to ask, because too often I don't ask. You just get on with it, which is okay. You ask the wrong people. I want to ask our Father in heaven this morning. So close your eyes there. If, you've got, if you have something, raise your hand, and I'm just going to pray. I'm not going to pray over you by name. I'm just going to pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we know you are a good God who looks after us and watches over us. God, I have seen times where you have healed cancer. I've seen times where you have made limbs move that have not moved before. I have seen it. I know you can do it, and you can do it again, Lord. I've seen times where it doesn't happen. I don't understand it, but I don't care because I have seen with my own eyes your goodness when you move. And so, God, I ask for that in this place this morning where there's ailments, where there's things wrong, where there's stuff that's happening within bodies in this room. God, I'm asking for your kingdom to invade. Right now, as Nicholas is lying in bed with her sore head. God, I'm asking your kingdom come in her life and in her mind and in her body. Let healing flow through her. Let healing flow through us in this room. And we are asking and we are seeking and persisting and knocking. And we ask that in Jesus' name. And Father, we just do what that song said this morning. We lean into you and your spirit. I feel like as we go through this this morning, we need to lean in to you, to take a bit of a load off of us, to take a bit of a rest and just lean in to hear what your spirit has to say to us this morning. Father, help us to be ready to listen. In Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, do you ever read a verse and you're thinking, right, I've read that verse over and over and over and my goodness has just hit I'm sure you have, because it's called the living word. If it hasn't, I'm asking right now, spirit, illuminate people's minds that this word comes alive. And eats and wants to get inside your mind and inside your body and take over and give you life. That's what it's about. So I had revelation as I um, read Matthew 7, verse 78, and it's one that we know very well. But what I found with Jesus is a lot of the stuff he brings, actually most of the stuff he brings is really, really simple. It's simple when you hear it, but to put it into practice, it's very, very hard. It's easy in here, but when we actually go to do it, it really is hard. But if we do, if we do do it, if we do do it, it is transformational. It's transformational. It makes us into new creations that we were birthed to be when we give our lives to Jesus. Let me read Matthew 7, 78, and I'm going to read it from the New International Version first. 
Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, those who seek find, and to those who knock, the door will be opened. These are the words of Jesus. Ask, and you will receive. The New Living, or the Passion Translation puts it like this. Ask, and the gift is yours. Seek, and you'll discover. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For every persistent one, I think we missed that bit, Every persistent one will get what he, she asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he longs for. Everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. I think that's the key that we're maybe missing in the NIV. Persistence. Persistence. We just want it like... I want to look at that a bit this morning. So the context of this verse, um, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. It is the words, the very words of Jesus. And it starts off, it's named in your Bible, if you look at it, it might be different. Do not judge others. This is coming straight after where Jesus gives that famous speech of, before you take the speck out, out of your neighbor's eye, take the big lump out of your own eye. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't judge others. And I never really re- read it properly in context before. And then it goes on to, uh, to speak about wisdom in verse 6 just before it. Um, don't give pearls to pigs. The way I read that was, be very careful what wisdom you're giving to certain people because they might not be ready for it. Maybe you're in a situation like maybe we face in Africa sometimes. People need fed. They need clothes before they start hearing of the good news of the gospel. Now, the good news of the gospel is key. But if they are hungry or thirsty or in need, they can't hear all these other things. So be careful with the wisdom that you give. Are the people ready for what you're about to do? Are the people ready for the questions you're about to ask? It takes wisdom. And then he goes on to talk about asking, seeking, and knocking. But it comes with a reality check, like I said, that it's going to take persistence as we start to ask questions. Now, before I get into it anymore, last week, Neil talked about, he finished his sermon, you wouldn't have thought he knew what he was going to talk about, with talking about asking questions. And he said that to ask questions, we need humility. We need to start from a place of, I need your knowledge in my life. I value what you're about to say in response to the question that I have. And so, for me, I feel as people that are shaped in our lives like Jesus, as we start to ask questions, we need to have a hunger, a desire. It comes from a place of tension, of wanting understanding, of wanting needs met, of needing help. It comes from a place of what he finished with, of curiosity. It was at Walter Witt, he quoted, quoted that he said, be curious, not judgmental. Ask questions of those you meet. Don't judge who, what you see and what you hear. So we were born to be curious. Some of us are a little bit more curious than others, but we were born to be curious. We were born to ask why. Who knows Steve Jobs in here? Not personally. He is dead now, so you'll not get to meet him. But Steve Jobs, I asked the kids this the other day, they didn't know who he was, invented the iPhone, Apple, okay? Um, Paul might be able to tell you a bit more about that and Andrew Gribben. They love Max, okay? But at the age of 12, Steve Jobs was being curious. He was doing what Jesus said. He was asking, seeking, and knocking. Do you know what he'd done at the age of 12? He contacted Bill Hewlett, who was the founder of Hewlett Packard. And at the age of 12, he looked up the phone book, and this man's name is still in the phone book. You wouldn't get that anymore here. He phoned him, and he said, listen, uh, Mr. Hewitt, it's Steve Jobs here. Didn't know who he was at the time. Uh, I need, I wrote it down here, I need parts to build a frequency counter. 
And at the end of the conversation, Mr. Packard said, not only am I going to give you the parts because of asking the question, I'm going to give you a job in the factory that makes the machine that you're making so you can learn more about it and you can follow your dream. 12 years old, he had questions. He was asking, seeking, knocking. He was persistent. He went on to say this, Steve Jobs, I've never found anybody that didn't want to help me if I asked them for help. And I've never found anyone who said no or hung up the phone when I called. I just asked. Most people never pick up the phone and never call. Most people never ask. And that's what separates the people. That's what separates the people that do versus the people that just dream, that just think about what they want. Isn't that powerful? We need to learn how to ask. And the one I want to start with is we need to learn how to ask for help. Most people, they're now too polite to ask for help. And I think it's rooted from, I don't want to burden you. Anybody else feel like that? I don't want to burden you. Um, I don't want to interrupt your lives because you look really busy to me. And I don't want to interrupt what you're doing. Um, I found that our behavior is affected by our presumptions and our perceived truths. And so we make decisions based of what we th- out of what we think we know. I think you're too busy to hear me. And sometimes I personally, I can give that vibe off if I'm in a conversation with you. If I have, I apologize for that. Because sometimes we do. But we make decisions of my thing's not valid. It's not big enough to annoy them with. I'm just going to keep it inside. And then sometimes we are just too out, or outright unwilling to do the hard work of engaging with hard, soul-searching conversations. We know that if we engage someone for help with the thing that we need help with, it's not going to just be a one-off conversation. It's going to be a long process of lots of different conversations and maybe other people getting involved. And I don't want that pain and I don't want that mess and I don't want people finding out what's really going on underneath the surface of my amazing Facebook page. But the reality is that it's going to hurt whether you ask or not. It's going to hurt whether you ask or not because you're going to have to be open and honest or else you're going to have to hold it all inside and it's going to start to do damage to you physically and mentally. Jesus is so wise, wasn't he? One little verse could solve so many problems in our lives. And so there's pain in asking, but there's also pain in the prolonging. And stalling in asking for help can move something from a problem to a life crisis. I'm sure we can think of people that we know or our own personal lives where a problem has become a life crisis because we have let it fester inside and build up and grow and manipulate us. It's hard for other people around us to really know who we are. You know that Andy Warhol said this, in the future everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes. If only he knew. But recently artist Banksy, anybody know him? Kids, you must know him. Banksy. He said this, he, he rewrote it, in the future everyone will be anonymous for 15 minutes. It means everyone will have their privacy for 15 minutes. How right is that? And so in this current culture, we know everything about everyone. If I'm going to meet someone for a meeting, I'll go on Facebook because it's the only one I know how to operate and I'll search for them and I'll look for some pictures and I can see what they were up to years ago. We've had that in the news with some sports people. I can see what they said. I can see what kind of things they like. I can see what sports they like. I can see their family. I can know everything about them because we're only going to be anonymous for 15 minutes. But really, we know nothing about each other. We know everything, yet we know nothing. What is presented in public is not always the reality. 
But I want to tell you with this verse this morning with Jesus, there is hope. Isaiah 55 verse 13, in the context of this verse, is God speaking to his people about the Lord's salvation. It's an invitation to a relationship with him. It's an invitation to an alternate way of living life, an alternate way of thinking, an alternate way of being. And it says this, talking about the desert, once there were thorns, cypress cypress trees will now grow. Where nettles grew, myrtle will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power. When I read this verse, I see these words. Don't stay stuck. Ask. Because what looks like a desert to you in the hands of the living God is completely different. Our culture will say that in the wilderness, in the dryness, in the barrenness, there's no hope. Life's going to stay that way. Don't bother asking for help. Don't bother doing anything about it. But there is hope in God and there is hope in the people that he brings into your life around you that you can trust. Matthew 5, um, the Sermon on the Mount says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Do you know what I found? I don't do it very often. I don't think I've done it in public in a long time. It's okay to cry. And I think it's healthy to have a cry now and again. I know Neil, you used to cry a lot. I haven't seen you cry in a way. You must be soft now. You mustn't be as soft. You know, there's times where I just need to cry out for help. And it's usually not that big a thing. It's just something that's maybe overwhelmed me on that day because of things leading up to it or because of the situations I'm in. It's maybe not that big, but I just need to get it out. I usually get it out with Neville. And then he says, good man, that's it, move on. Or he gives me wise input. It's okay to cry. Do you know what? There is a special place carved out in the Father's heart for those who need help, which is all of us, if we're being honest. And for many of us, life seems to be working, but it might not be. And so when we are asked how we're doing, the standard response, and I don't think this is just the standard response in the church, I think this is the standard response in the UK in general. How's it going? Oh, yep, doing doing great, fine. Have you ever had somebody respond like this? Oh, no, really bad, awful. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know what to do when people are honest, but we need honesty. We need to be honest with each other. We need to be honest with the right people, not just random people. Um, It's okay to ask for help. We're told if you ask, it will be given. And so, like Neil said last week, we need to awaken the curious inside us and learn to ask why. For so long, we've just said, yes, oh yeah, that'll do. We, We let people lead us that maybe we don't know too much about. We just believe stuff for the sake of believing it instead of actually learning to start asking questions and digging deeper and getting our own understanding of things. It's okay to ask questions because what I found is asking questions open doors and creates pathways for you to walk down and for you to explore new things, explore new way of thinking, explore different people's views, explore, explore, explore. Asking trusted people questions about you is so important because what I found, I have certain people around me that I trust to give me a, when I ask them something, they're going to give me a real honest answer and those honest answers can help me be a better father, they can help me be a better worker, they can help me be a better husband if I am open to ask questions that, of things that I need to change in my life. <coughs> questions that are good for you but also good for others around you. Um. 
I heard this on the radio the other day. There's a saying that goes, if you have a hammer, everything will look like nails. And so I believe that this verse, Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given. It is the key to looking beyond ourselves and God's way of expanding our tool belt so that we are people that live beyond what the rest of culture says how we live, if that makes sense. I can just imagine Jesus doing this. Um, the Pharisees, Sadducees, I believe a lot of them were people that just walked around with a hammer and everything looked like nails. But then in comes Jesus and they're walking down the street and Jesus is sitting at a table with a prostitute. And they say, what on earth is he doing? He's sitting around the table and all the guys are drinking all the wine back or whatever it was they were drinking and he looks like he's partying and having a good time with them. The nobodies that nobody else wants to hang around. Jesus is sitting at the well having a conversation. And do you know what I believe he was doing? I believe he was doing what Matthew 7 says. He was asking them questions because nobody had ever paid them attention in their lives. And as Jesus started to ask them questions, they thought, I must matter. Because this man that we have heard about is taking time to pay attention to me and listen to my story and listen to what I've been through and placing value on me. And it's so important once we move past the asking for help that we learn to pay attention to others around us and start asking them questions about their life, about their story, about what drives them, about what's going on in their lives. Because we are called through Matthew 7 to place values in others that will bring them to life and introduce them to Jesus. If I was in the black church in America, I'd be getting amens here. Come on. I have a wee lady always sat at the front, Miss Vicky, and she was shouting hallelujahs. And you can do that now this morning. How amazing would it have been to see that? I think I would have missed it, but because I probably would have been judging him with my hammer as well. We need questions that explore instead of just explain. We need questions that explore instead of just explain. Has anybody heard that song? Do you feel the world's broken? It is. You know that one? That's one of these exploring questions instead of explaining. Do you feel the world's broken? We do. I agree with you. Do you feel the shadows deepen? Yeah, yeah, we do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from breaking through? Yeah, I know that. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? Yeah, we do. But then it gets on to the, to the next one. Is he worthy? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone worthy? He is. This is a song of these questions. It's a Matthew 7 song of asking, seeking, knocking together, going on a journey. And I believe that's what Jesus done with his questions. He brought people on journeys, not giving them exact answers, but helping them walk into the revelation for themselves. Um... You know, God wants to hear our cries. He wants to hear our questions. It doesn't scare him off. Those messy cries that we have, you know, the ugly ones, they don't scare him. I think it draws him to us. And so is there something you're questioning right now? Maybe it's something about your faith, because I know in Northern Ireland we were told for years, don't ask questions. You believe what Pastor Neil says, from the, you need to test a lot of what Pastor Neil says from the front. Too many churches, I don't want to get into that, but this this morning, but too many churches are just being led by one man who says this, you believe this, you do that. That's not, that's not the Jesus way. The Jesus way is come in and engage. Let's have a conversation. Let's work this out together. I know as much as you do. You know as much. You probably know more than me. You know what I mean? It's good to have leaders. I'm not saying 
but it's good to walk your faith out in community, talking with one another, asking questions. How long have we been going? Not a few minutes yet. Neil told us last week that asking questions is what shaped Jesus' life. And look, was it over 70 times? Jesus responded to a question with a question. Jesus didn't really give facts too often. He wanted us to work this out. He gave us free will and freedom. And I think walking the way of Jesus is one of learning how to ask the right questions. Um, when I first got saved, um, I was just so like on fire and over the top, just want to tell everybody about Jesus. You know people like that still, maybe a few in here this morning still. And uh, I decided I wanted to go out on the streets with the um, Korean University uh, street team. I can't remember the name of it, the CU team. And I went out, and it was outside Kelly's one night, and then the next week it was outside the anchor in, uh, in Port, Port Stewart. And do you know what? I did not have a clue. I was brought up in church. I knew some of the Bible stories, but I did not have a clue. I was still only starting to work out my salvation. But you know what I found out? I went out in the streets, hungry to tell people about Jesus. And when they asked me questions I didn't understand or I didn't know, I said to them, I don't know yet. I'm only on this. And you know what? That done more good than saying, trying to come up with a convincing answer and a fact about religion and about Jesus. And so what I found is that walking the way of Jesus, it's okay to ask questions. Because the more I went out and started to have conversations with people, the more hunger I had to come back and learn and to ask more questions of myself. And to finish off talking about questions, it's not just about needing help. It's not just about faith issues, but also it's one that can transform your life. If we start having the habit of asking the right questions, it can transform the relationships around us. Instead of just coming with our preconceived truths or our ideas or what we want to do, uh, as a husband or as a wife, it can change how we communicate with each other and our expectations versus realities and stuff like that. With our children at the dinner table, I know the Dawsons do this, they ask questions every night. What was your favorite part of the day? It helps engage in conversation. It helps you understand. One-to-ones I have sometimes with the kids where you actually get to hear their voice more than you ever would. I know they're very loud sometimes, but I mean actually hear what they're saying. As a friend, the right questions to ask your friends to improve your friendship, to see how you can be a better friend, how they can be a better friend, what you can do for them. As a boss, as a worker, how can we communicate better to ask the right questions to be more like Jesus? Questions that are other-centered and not self-centered. Like Jesus, we want to be people that have a constant dialogue as we are on this adventure. And so when we go to the second part of the verse, it says, uh, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. And so when we think of knocking and seeking, um, I believe that this is Jesus' way of introducing us to the way of wisdom. A way of asking others that leads to then seeking and finding and pulling truths out and pulling things into our own lives uh, that we need. And the key to asking questions is learning then how to listen. The knocking and the, the seeking comes as we listen. And I believe that listening is an antidote to the verses that went before in judging others and being a hypocrite. 
If we learn to listen, then we start to understand the people around us as we walk in their story, as we walk in their shoes. And I believe that as we start to ask questions and listen, it is the cure and the antidote for judgmentalism and being a hypocrite. Seeking uh, to me is looking for it's a treasure hunt, it's digging, it's navigating, it's planning, it's dreaming, it's sacrificing for what's important and chasing after it. It's not a one-off event. When God speaks to me, when I hear something, chasing and knocking is asking God over and over and over for revelation and for wisdom. The great prophet, I don't know if you've heard of him, Mr. Miyagi. Anybody watch the Karate Kid? Wax on, wax off. But the great prophet, Mr. Miyagi, by the way, I'm only joking, he wasn't a prophet, maybe he was, who knows. Rebuked young Danielson when he was frustrated with the long process of learning karate. He said, first learn to stand, then learn to fly. Nature's rules, Danielson, not mine. And so there are no shortcuts for maturity in the life of wisdom. It's, there's no shortcuts for learning how to listen well. There's no shortcuts for learning how to ask the right questions. That frustrates me the most out of all these things, is learning the right questions. I'll go back to you, Neville. If you're out with Neville, you know sometimes there's some dodgy questions, but most of the time, he asks questions that just open up a conversation. Anybody been with him when he does that and you're sitting going, how does he do that? It opens up a room, it opens up conversation, everybody's talking about all this stuff around the country and it's a gift. Speak that over you, it's a gift, Neville. Learning how to ask the right questions, it's a lifelong learning. Now I've lost my place. It's God's rule, not mine because he loves you too much to see you stay where you are. In this culture now, we've become so easily distracted because we don't have to work for information. You know that apparently you used to have to go to the library? Anybody know that? And you used to have to pull wee slides in and look up newspapers and all this to get information. Now at the touch of a button, we can look up Google and get whatever facts we need. Last week I was reading and it says that now in the UK, we read more than we have ever read yet we read less than we've ever read because we stream we skim through we read bits we read we read we read but we don't actually stop to let something sink in and take a hold and transform and to catch a hold of it for it to pull us with it and to start to learn and to go with it this is this is what wisdom is i'm not letting go of this i've knocked you've opened the door whatever it is god now I'm moving on. I'm not talking about help. I'm talking about stuff that God's speaking to you in your life. When you're knocking on the door, when you're following him, if it's something he's put in your heart, you open the door and too many of us are just skimming. We're going, oh, that's okay. Actually, we miss it. And he's asking us, don't let that door close. Hold. Chase after. Follow me. What is it that I've put on your heart? We get too easily distracted. Proverbs uh, 4 verse 59 says, above all, I, or, above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. Write it on the tops of your list. Get understanding. Throw your arms around her. Believe me, you won't regret it. Never let her go. She'll make your life glorious. She'll garland your life with grace. Got, your, got you in again. And she'll festoon your days with beauty. Get wisdom. It means action. It means response. Where do we find wisdom? Ask. James 1 verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. The second place we find wisdom is found in the fear of the Lord. This is a well-known verse, but I'm going to read it from the Passion because it's, it, it helps me understand it. I read that verse for years, fear of the Lord, and as a child, I thought of what I feared, and I was terrified of dogs. Still not too keen on them. 
But when a dog went past me, I would have went to the other side of the town, never mind the road. And so for me, when I read fear of the Lord, that's the fear I thought of. That's not the fear that he's talking about here. The fear of the Lord is standing in awe going, I am starting to understand the gravity of who you are and what you can do in my life and what you have called me to be. And I stand in awe and reverence. It's a fear of awe. It comes from a place of love, not from a place of being terrified. An understanding of the character of the person that you are in the presence of. That's the fear of the Lord. It says the starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Jehovah God. To receive the revelation of the Holy One, you must come to the one who has life or who has living understanding. We're getting there. Wisdom is found in those who have gone before. Now, this week, Jackie and Kenny are coming from America. And whenever they first, uh, we had a meeting about it, and Neville, Neil, and Amy all pointed to me saying, okay, you can do the visa, you've done it before. But really before, I can't remember, because it was that long ago, I can barely remember yesterday, and it was stressing me out. So what we decided to do was to get an agent that walks you through the process. Someone who had been there before. Now listen, it was still hard work. There was a lot of paperwork. There was a lot of digging. There was a lot of photocopying. There was a lot of emails. There was a lot of WhatsApps. There was a lot of work. But the fact that we had someone walking us through, I could email and say, where do I go with this? I would send screenshots and say, am I doing this right? It's so important in life when we're knocking and asking that we find people who have gone there before and who can input wisdom. Another way to think about it, uh, a lot of us have taken up mountain biking. And... Uh, when you go to Gosford, there's some trails that you can see a few guys have went before. And I would go them sometimes in the workout. One day I went one that people had went before. Thankfully, Puma didn't see me. But I ended up with my rear end over the handlebars in the middle of the path because it was one that you shouldn't have done. But the difference was I didn't have anybody in front of me. I'm a bit of a um, softy when it comes to going on the mountain bike because I don't like going too hard and too fast until I know the track. I suppose that's a bit like life. But what I found is I love someone who will go with me, who's been there before, who can stop at the, at the start of each section and say, there's a big jump here, get yourself ready, this is what you do. And there's so many times in life that I have had more heartache than I need to because I just haven't stopped and asked those who have gone before. I haven't asked for wisdom, I haven't had it imparted, or I haven't taken the time to listen and get the knowledge of someone who knew more than I did. Now, sometimes it's good to get out there and have a bit of crack and fall on your face and whatever. There's, time, there's times for that. Jeremiah 6, verse 16. This was a rebuke from the Lord to the children of Israel because they didn't listen. They rejected his wisdom. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Ask people around you that you know are living lives of wisdom, that you know can impart to you. And I'm not just talking about Christians. When I first got saved, my dad hooked me up with this 85-year-old man to go and sit in his balcony every single, that sounded bad, every single morning. We sat in the balcony, and he went through the Word of God with me, and he taught me how to read the Bible. He was the general manager, one of the directors of uh, General Steel. Is that it? British Steel? Man of great stature, a man of great... But you know what? He poured out his heart with all the mistakes that he'd made, with all the things that he'd done that he shouldn't have. And he said to me, don't go the same way I went. I'm only getting to grasp that now. 
This old man wanted to pour his life into me. My first month of being saved. If I had that now, oh, I would, I, would, I would not let that go. I would ask and ask and ask and ask. Who do you have in your life right now that you know? I want to learn more from them. I would love more. Grab them. With a scruff of the neck, go for a coffee. Or maybe there's someone that you know you need to pour into. We're nearly done. Keep saying that. Who around you has wisdom? Don't look at the fashions of the world. Don't look what other people are doing that is cool right now. Richard Rohr this morning, in uh, the thing I was reading in the email, he said this. Jesus offers an alternative wisdom that shakes societal order where, con- where conventional um, wisdom maintains it. The wisdom we want is going to shake and rock those around us because we're born to be different. It's not just going to maintain social order. It's going to be different when we pay attention to the people nobody else wants to pay attention to. When we lift up the people that others are putting down. When we serve people with a humble heart and ask for nothing in return. It's going to shake people and how we think about them, just like Jesus at the table. Neville last week talked about, a couple of weeks ago, talked about the great cloud of witnesses. And I believe that those great cloud of witnesses, I have a bag full of books here, I'm not going to bring them out. It can be found, first and foremost, we're going to... In this, this is full of witnesses of what Jesus has done, what God has done. But there are also books that have been written for centuries, that have been tried and tested. What about that last hymn there? Who else, when they started to sing that hymn, something just sparks in you? Why? It's got history. For generations it's been sung, it's been laid, foundations have been laid, it's been sung out, it's been declared. You know it deep within. And so it does something. And there are people that have written their stories in books, have written their hearts of what God has spoken to them before, that have been tried and tested and true. We have the witnesses right here, right now. Wisdom is found in his word. I don't need to explain that one. Um, Eugene Peterson has a book out, it's called Eat This Book. He wants it to become a part of your DNA, the very fiber of who you are. Eat this book, Eugene Peterson. Brilliant read. Get it if you haven't. And so instead of me talking about that, talk to each other. Ask each other, what sets you alight for reading the Word of God? What tools do you have to help you read the Word of God? And lastly, nobody said an amen. Lastly, wisdom, not a promise, promise. Um, Wisdom is found in lamenting. This is really important. What do I mean? Lamenting, the definition for it is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, a complaint, an expression of regret and disappointment uh, about something. But to me, it is just being real and raw with the Father. It's time to talk to Jesus. It's those times where you're on your knees weeping for him, where you're screaming as you drive down the road, Daba. Walter Brueggemann says it like this. One loss that results from the absence of lament is the loss of genuine covenant interaction because the second party to the covenant, that's you and me, has become voiceless or has a voice that is permitted to speak only praise or doxology, to be a yes man and woman for whom is never heard a discouraging word. Covenant minus lament is a practice of denial, cover-ups and pretense. It's good to have a reverent fear of the Lord, but he is asking us and calling us to be open and honest in lament with him. He can take it. Maybe there's something today that you need to lament with the Father because I believe it's a very crucial part of wisdom in this process. 
And to speak out to God like this is to believe that he cares. It's to believe that he longs to hear you. It's to believe that he is willing to put up with your emotions. It's to believe that he has the power to act on what you're telling him and change your situation. It's a, uh, it's a willingness to believe in his goodness. And so I believe that asking, seeking, knocking is what brings life and fullness. Ronnie's favorite verse. It helps us look inward, upward, outward. It challenges our thoughts. It challenges our perspective. It helps us to start to comprehend why on earth we are here. And when we know the why, the what gets meaning. How many of us are just walking around and you seem to be kind of stuck in a wee rut or going in circles? You've lost your real drive of why you give your life to Jesus. Jesus doesn't want us all the same. He doesn't want us mindless robots. He wants us to understand why we said yes to him. Who here needs a bit of a shake in that? Nobody? Flip me, you're all good. This is the illustration. The end. Not laughing. The difference in understanding why. I walk into a school. I pick a random school right, and go, sing me Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saved rest like me. Now, I walk in the McGabry prison. There's a man who's just served a life sentence. But in prison, he's found Jesus. He's satellite for God. He's led half the prison to Jesus. Today's the day he's getting out, and the whole world's going to encounter Jesus through him. And you say, Sing me amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sun. What's the difference? He understands why he's singing it. He's had a revelation. Who else wants to sing with me? He's had a revelation because I, of the persistent asking, seeking, knocking, encountering the Lord. So I encourage you as you're leaving today. I didn't set my timer, so forgive me if I was going back to old school Dave there, a few wee bit extra. Ask, seek, knock. Ask why. Understand what you're doing, what you're doing it for, and most importantly, who you're doing it for. Amen.